Welcome to the Shelfformers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, our connections to the figures, and their relevance to bigger topics. I'm your co-host, Sugu, and tonight we're going to talk about the Rancor from HasLab. And I'm your co-host, Darby, and we're going to take a deep dive into what went wrong with uh, the HasLab Rancor and what could potentially go right in the future. And just so you know, this is the part two of that episode. Before we begin, by way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, the author of the novels Ever the Hero and A Country of Eternal Light. I'm a senior writer for Screen Rant and a contributor for Star Wars Newsnet. I am also part of the Movie News Network podcast, talking all things movies, TV, and pop culture. I collect comic books, Star Wars toys, and things I really should not be buying. <laughs> and I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education, and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. I collect mostly Transformers, but I've recently started collecting Marvel Legends figures and die-cast cars, such as Hot Wheels. Since living in Japan, I've developed an interest in tabletop gaming, so I also have a wide collection of board games. Tonight, we're going to talk about the postmortem of the HasLab Rancor. So, much like in Return of the Jedi, the Rancor died. So, (laughs) and pretty quickly, too. (laughs) A long and slow, horrible death, but a quick one. So, we talked a couple weeks ago about the the HasLab, which at the moment was at, at in the moment was ongoing and struggling and actually had lost backers as we were actually tracking the downward trend live as we were recording. <laughs> um, after we recorded, um, Hasbro made a very uh, uh, basic uh, statement on their Instagram page about that they were adding the Rancor Keeper, Malakili, who we talked about. Malakili was sort of the shirtless guy who wept over the body of the rancor in the movie he's very very famous everybody knows who he is uh originally not included in the rancor has lab they said they would include him if it funded at nine thousand backers uh that did put turn things around a little bit uh, in the positive direction for the for the rancor but it ended then on december 6th the campaign did did not fund the rancor fell short by about 500 which by the way was the difference uh, was the number of thereabouts of the backers who fell out uh, in, after the disastrous. Probably pr- probably a little bit of hyperbole there, but um, it, from the standpoint of what Hasbro hoped for, the live stream on November 19th where they announced the final tier goals was not positive uh, from the PR uh, point of view. Not positive for the Rancor, didn't fund, and so there's been a tremendous amount of discussion, uh, conversation about the campaign, what went wrong. We talked a lot about what we thought went wrong. The thing that's been most interesting to me is listening to other folks uh, in the Star Wars collecting community, which is pretty vast, YouTube and podcasting, 
they've all been talking about the same things that sort of concerns about the project is and they were mostly uh to a letter maybe uh everything that you and i talked about sugu on our pod in terms of uh, the price the the item itself the the lack of the poor marketing the lack of sensible tier goals all those things that led to this um this failure of it to fund and then the next day uh, the gi joe has lab for the sky striker jet uh ended the next very next day it did fund it 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 um fell a just shy of meeting its final tier goal which was disappointed some folks because they were really looking forward to the the pit crew the ground crew there the two figures that were the final tier goal they're sort of like a little flight crew uh they've been calling them ketchup and mustard because they were in red and yellow jumpsuits um we'll maybe kind of talk about that as we go through but i think the biggest surprising thing i just want to say we talked a lot about our our concerns our thoughts about the project but the thing now that it's over that struck me is the utter lack of, of marketing by hasbro i was i don't know if you saw this sugu but like the so right now the other has lab that's still running is the proton pack from ghostbusters this has obviously had the benefit of the movie the recent ghostbusters movies been in theaters but it also has had a marketing push unlike anything that the other that the Star Wars did because Adam Savage, who folks probably know from Mythbusters, did a whole video on it that um, I haven't checked recently but had at one point over half a million views. When Hasbro released their their Rancor Keeper update, it was a very it was a wall of text associated with the image, a grainy image from nineteen eighty three of the Rancor Keeper. When the Sky Striker guys <laughs> When the Sky Striker guys, um, the GI Joe team, when they updated, they also because their 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 project was underwater, they updated with a fantastic sort of hail mary, where Cobra Commander took over uh, the campaign and uh, he brought in uh, Cobra figures. They added three figures: Cobra Commander, some Cobra dudes, um, and then they did a whole video with the with the guy who does the voice of Cobra Commander, in which it was is fun. It was obviously thought out, and then uh, the team, the Joe team, in the last few days, but leading up to the end of the campaign, they did all this uh, stuff on Inst- They did another live stream, the Instagram. They were p- promoting it. They were tweeting it. They were Instagramming it. All that stuff. There's radio silence from the, the Star Wars team on the Rancor. Um, they didn't even, on the final day, Sugu, they didn't even tweet about it. They didn't do any ups- updates on Instagram. The Marvel Legends guys, Ryan, Dan, those guys on Instagram, their personal Instagram uh, pages were pimping the Rancor. The Star Wars team wasn't. I just think the whole thing is so... The whole thing feels like like they didn't care. I, I know I said in the previous pod where we talked about it that they don't need our help on marketing. I just found the, I just found the whole thing odd. The whole... It, it's no... You and I both expected it to fund we thought it wouldn't do super well but we thought it would at least fund and surprisingly i have to admit i'm a little bit surprised it didn't yeah i mean i thought it was going to fund through not through investors or through fans or through legitimate people backing the project i thought it was going to fund through shenanigans and uh, apparently (laughs) the shenanigans didn't pan out and it was uh uh, it it it. I was surprised too. I was like, I I was sure there's going to be some corporate uh, shenanigans going on. I did too. If you know, it came up about. Uh, I 
the final tally was just a little over 8,500. I figured they would probably find around about 500 uh, employees at Hasbro who were going to get a Rancor gift for their Christmas present next year. Didn't happen. I, I, yeah. it, I, there was no extension as there was with Unicron. There was no final late push. There was no 500 orders that just appeared. You know, like that. You know, like they would. They, they came in from overseas. You know, there's none of that stuff. I, I, given the millions of dollars that were on the line, the the sort of the PR that was on the line, the the profile of the project, that you know, all of that stuff, and then not to. Not to use all these uh, social media, not to do any of the things. Um, Emily and uh, the other gentleman, I, I, whose name I forget, from the Joe team, they were all they they did like I don't know what it was on the final day. They did like an hour and a half on Instagram or something where they were just talking about the toy. They were revving up excitement, their enthusiasm, the Joe the 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 GI Joe enthusiasm for the Sky Striker is through the roof. That you come that just like with the Marvel Legends guys, and we talked a little bit this about this on our previous episode about the Rancor, but I don't want to make it a, a a Star Wars versus X, but the the enthusiasm from the Marvel Legends team is super infectious. If anybody out there listening has ever watched or listened to those guys do their live streams or do their announcement, the Joe team I was unfamiliar with up until this uh, project with Sky Striker. The Ghostbusters, I I'm not I don't know Ghostbusters really beyond the movies, but the, but that fan base and this team that's working on Ghostbusters is super jacked about the Proton Pack, which is through the stratosphere's long since been backed. The Star Wars team, if if I feel like if I was running the Star Wars team or on the Star Wars team and I was running this campaign, they would have to to screw me down to the floor to sort of contain my excitement about any of this because it's just so cool like you know and there's been none of that there's absolutely like radio silence there was another wall of text uh after the day after where they were like sorry didn't fund here's a question that before we dive really deep in into this because i do want to to follow to follow up on all these threads but mm, yeah if if you and i <laughs> We're running the uh, HasLab Star Wars brand. Yeah. My first thought would be the Rancor wouldn't wouldn't do well, and I wouldn't think that would be a good one for a HasLab project. So, what? Right, which is the root problem, opinion, right? Yeah. <laughs> like right right away, that's the wrong product. Yeah. And I'll I'll even say this: like the Sky Striker. I'm not a GI Joe fan. Never was. I. At my elementary school, you were either G.I. Joe or you were Transformers, and He-Man was the great mediator in between. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like, that that was the rivalry, right? And yeah. so uh, I was never into G.I. Joe. I was never, um, like, I, I thought the SR-71 was cool because everyone thinks the SR-71 is cool. And then cool. seeing it as a toy, like in that size, when you're that age, that's cool. Um, but yeah, so like the Sky Striker, I have zero interest in. But even I was thinking about backing that project because it's just cool. I yeah, I was like I, I I wasn't gonna get it either, but um, it was so cool, and you got it. Didn't the final tier didn't fund. 
Um, so you didn't get the the ground crew, which people were really bummed out about. Um, I, Emily sort of suggested that this is not something people should be too worried about relative to the ground crew. So I expect they'll show up at, in some form here sure. uh, next year. Well, so what would you what would you have made? So we've already got a four inch sail barge or a four inch scale sail barge. Okay, so this uh, Haslab should go with the Black Series, right? It should be a six inch. Uh, it should scale with the six inchers. What would you have done? So what would I have done? Um, I would not have done Black Series, um, but let's say that okay. that's what they wanted to do because they've done a couple vintage collection. They've done the sail barge. They've done the Razor Crest. They wanted to test the waters with the Black Series because the Black Series is a huge segment of collecting. There are problems inherent in doing the Black Series because, as we talked about on the last pod, it's not uh, it's not really for world building it's not none of the big items they've done vehicles playsets dioramas etc none of them have been successful at retail um jason from yakface.com who is maybe the best sort of inside baseball guy right now in the collecting community when it comes to these things was uh, is was said that the none of those none of the six inch items uh of scale uh, the Tie Fighter, the Snow Speeder, the Land Speeder, all of those things. None of them have been successful. They've they've okay. lost money, and which those is are why the mass, mass retail, yeah, right? big mass retail, big items, and the, what that leads just naturally to a, a question of why did you do the Rancor then at all? So the and we talked about in our last pod. Well, they probably wanted to get into the same space as, as Galactus and the Sentinel. Um. The only real natural thing there is to do something like the Rancor if you're not going to do another vehicle. But if I was pushed into a corner and, and Hasbro Corporate or Lucasfilm said, no, we're going to do Black Series and it needs to be something substantial, what would it be? It'd be the X-Wing. Um, what can I do that's iconic? What can I do that's big? What can I do that feels like I do want it? And that's Red Five. That's the X-wing. That's Luke Skywalker. And and I would do what they did with the Sky Striker, where the Sky Striker, the genius of the Sky Striker, came with all these sort of different sticker sheets, so you can, um, if you bought really multiples, customize, customize it. Well, with the X-wing, you can do the same thing. So it doesn't necessarily have to be Red Five. It can be Red Leader. It can be Wedge's X-wing. It can be Big's X-wing. So I would actually just I would rip off what the the Sky Striker guys did. I would do the X-wing. I would do some fig- I would do some pilots. I would do maybe a droid or two. I would do a little ground crew, little cart. The in the Gavin, there's like a little uh, little go kart thing that they drive around in there through oh, the base. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would do that stuff. I feel pretty strongly that that would be very successful. Um, I would throw in. I would. I would do Luke. Obviously, they've done Luke at retail, but I, I would do a new Luke. Do Wedge or Bigs or maybe Bigs for sure. Maybe fans want a pilot, a really obscure pilot they're never going to get. And then I would do a droid or two. Okay. What about, and, uh, mm-hmm. like, I was thinking Jabba the Hutt. Like an actual so done, Jabba the Hutt scaled in six inch. They've done Jabba. Compatible with Aleia. Yeah, they've done Jabba and his throne in 2014. As a six inch uh, black series? Yeah. Yep. Oh, he okay. was one right. of the... He's one of the earliest pieces they did, and, and Jabba, none of the beasts have done well either. 
Um, they did so they did Jabba, they did uh, the Wampa, they did the Tauntaun. They've done those things. No, none of those pieces really have worked. Um, okay. And so yeah, but I think like the X Wing, they did a Tie Fighter at retail, but it was the Force Awakens. It was the sequel trilogy Tie Fighter. I feel like if it had been the original Tie Fighter from the original trilogy, it would have done little bit better it was still not something that people wanted because it's it, it was so gigantic and people don't want these things these big things but i feel like if they if we had to do it if they were like if someone was like no we're doing this i would have been like let me do the x-wing let me do the best x-wing of all time it'd be yeah. really long for sure you know it would be um it would be just big enough that it would be um i could get it in the same box as the sail barge which is about four feet long you'd have to put the wings together um and uh, I think it'd be really something I think that people would gravitate towards. But if I had my choice, I wouldn't do Black Series at all. I would just do Vintage Collection, and I would I'd go as gonzo as I possibly could. Yeah, that X-Wing is a good case. Well, the, the Millennium Falcon, right? It makes huge waves every time it comes out in whatever scale you got. So I thought maybe, like for the 6-inch, that would be too big. Um, you could do though absolutely like a scale uh, a six inch scaled falcon would be the size of a car but could you maybe do like chunks of it could you do like pieces of it that you could eventually build you know what i mean like let's say like let's do like the cockpit let's do the whatever and then at some point we're gonna do you can put them together well, that's kind of what I was thinking, actually. Like, the, the, the main one is just the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, right? That mm-hmm. scales with the Black Ant, Black Series. That's fine. And then every tier up is more pieces of the, of the Millennium Falcon. So that as they, if they get enough backers, you could actually theoretically get the entire thing. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. This is literally the only way you can get it. The retail this is not possible at retail whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you know, this is not something most fans are gonna be interested in because they don't have a room or chateau on their <laughs> property in which they can store this. Um and it would be, but the size and scale of it and the in- intricacy of it would be such that you'd be like, Oh well, you know, I really want that, and you, it, because it because it spans so many movies, you could do different things with it. You could do, you could do the original trilogy. Obviously, you got the sequel trilogy. You got the solo movie. So, which had that Falcon had, you know, had different detail inside because it was yeah. an earlier version. Um, I actually, to that point, so let's talk about that. For for a, a I think a good ideal Haslab for. Um, I, Hasbro probably disagrees, but um, for for the vintage collection, so they've done it. Uh, they've done a, a Millennium Falcon toy. It's it's massive. It's huge. Mm-hmm. No longer works at retail because the cost to retail would put the Falcon at about five hundred dollars. Um, but they haven't done the solo a Star Wars story version of the Falcon, which is different. Has different detailing outside. Um, I think that would actually make for a really cool item from Haslab. I don't know if there'd be a ton of support for it because. That was the least successful of the recent movies, though it does have its fans, of which I'm one. Um, but I think that'd be really cool. That'd be a really cool toy to try to to get out there as sort of a prequel era Millennium Falcon. Yeah, sure. Um, you could take the existing tool and then you could do, you modify it a little bit. 
uh, you know, it, it, there's some structural elements which are different, and then obviously the paint job, but do some interior details would be different too. But I think for me, that'd be cool. Um, maybe we're not going to revisit that Falcon, I think, in entertainment. So that's probably not going to, that's a pie in the sky. It's probably not going to happen. What but, do you mean we're um, not going to revisit it? I don't think we're going to go back in time to, to we're not going to see that Falcon again, that period again. Uh, okay. um, you know what I mean? Like, so it's probably if you didn't like it, if you didn't like that movie or you didn't never saw it, then you're just like, well, I don't know what that is. So, um, but that would be something I think that would be something they could attempt. Um, we talked about a little bit, uh, on the previous episode about like, they could have done a, a vintage collection Rancor dungeon. They could have done the entire dungeon. They could have done the Rancor monster, uh, and the job is sort of um you know job is throne room above the book one thing that is going to returning in entertainment we're here right immediately in the next couple of weeks is Jabba's throne room from Jabba's palace as boba fett um is taking oh, up right, shop right yeah yeah uh boba fett and the book of boba fett is uh taking up shop in Jabba's palace and the throne room is one of the major sets in the show would have been ideal uh, really, um, to sort of get some synergy there, they could have done it, and they could have created a an environment to display all these figures. Just not from just Return of the Jedi, but you know, potentially from Book of Boba. I don't think Book of Boba Fett is going to have nowhere near the sort of menagerie of uh, characters and aliens that Jabba did in Return of the Jedi, as most of them died on the sail barge. <laughs> right, but that <laughs> but, does bring a point because of that show and. These projects take about a year, right, to develop. Yeah, so about if they 18 just months, had, yeah. Yeah, if they just had the throne room and the different tiers being the different properties, like the first tier is about Return of the Jedi, accessories for Return of the Jedi. Second tier is about accessories for Boba Fett. Well, and just kind of Bo- build up stuff like that. Yeah, th- exactly. Boba is sitting on a... Uh, spoilers for people who haven't seen uh, the end of The Mandalorian. Um, Boba walks in and blows away uh, an older and uh, wider Bib Fortuna <laughs> who's sitting on a makeshift throne atop the dais there in Jabba's throne. All of that, I know people, have, from the minute they saw the throne, they, they're like, we got to have it. Boba's got, you got to put Boba on the throne. We haven't seen it yet. That's mystifying to me, really, from Hasbro uh you you know the that we, that's an accessory that i think they've had plenty of time to sort of develop and show off we haven't seen it yet we will see it i'm sure at some point probably next year but i mean cuz um, i can totally right now i can imagine some star wars fan setting up their display to be jabba's throne room with boba fett sitting in the center and then yeah. surround it is like the carbonite version of every other toy that they have had. Like put them on display stands or something so it looks like Boba Fett captured yeah. them all. There's so like right yeah. away that's a Star yeah. Wars fan display case of dreams, right? Yeah, there's so many things you could do and you know, you could populate it um with some you know they've done very well in the over the last 40 years they've done a great job of um, making figures from Jabba's palace I'm sure there's some I know there are some they haven't done but most of the highest profile guys 
and, and some of the least profile guys have been done. But now we're moving into a new era with Book of Boba and um, there's the opportunity to kind of revisit that stuff and we didn't do it. I know, you know, uh, I sort of talked about this on the last pod. I feel like there was, there was some... Uh, there was a reason they wanted to do the Rancor that just didn't involve it being big, but um, but the the it just didn't work. The the no one wants I, I, the the thing that I've heard over and over and over again and read uh, in this last few weeks. Going back to the beginning of the campaign is no one wanted this, and that's really the biggest problem. You said it there, you know, like if we were in charge of the Hasbro uh, Star Wars team, which, by the way, Hasbro, we are available. Um, <laughs> the we would not have done this because it's not something that inherently has little appeal. And the, the people there were people that did want this. There are eighty five hundred people who did want this, and I do feel bummed out for the people that really wanted this and didn't get it. But I think the the it was it was struck the the concept was flawed from the beginning. The marketing, there wasn't any. I'm curious how many of those backers were there because they were fans of the Rancor, or were there because they just buy everything Star Wars. There's probably some of that. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting listening to. I've listened to quite a few pods uh, over the last week because I wanted to sort of get an impression of what other people were thinking in the community. And I had a sense just from what I saw on the Twitter machine, but it, it I was struck by how uniform the reaction was. <laughs> yeah. Know, Even one was... of my reviewers that I tend to watch, um, uh, he made an episode about it. I, I sent that to you. Yeah, and yeah. his reaction was hysterical. It was what we had talked about. Oh, we'll shout him out. It's Bobby Skullface. Yeah. It was pretty uniform. Um, the basic thing was is that the toy itself is very cool. Don't want it. And there there were inherent problems with it's too big, it's too expensive. There's no, where am I going to put it? If it had come with Ula, the, if there was like a, a, a graph, a chart that we had here, visual aids, the number one, <laughs> the highest bar would be uh, no Ula. So everybody wanted Ula. Now, this is one thing that I think is the most interesting. So we talked about Ula last time. We talked about the Rancor Keeper. Hasbro did uh, sort of cave, I guess, and, and include. They had they were going to include Rancor Keeper if it had funded. No mention of Ula. Uh, Steve Evans, who had been the brand manager for Star Wars uh, leading up to about two or three years ago, um, was on Instagram and he was very he was very enthusiastic about the Rancor. He's like, you know, get out there and fund it. I, I hope you guys buy it. He he had he had uh, signed up to buy one. Someone had asked him on Instagram. They asked him a lot of questions on Instagram, and Steve Evans was very kind to answer. Um, he said that as far as he knew, and again, he's not been involved in Hasbro Star Wars team for a couple of years. That Ula was off limits now, and that she was not able as a character to be made. Um, wonder why he, there are a lot of theories um uh there was a, I, the basic one is that there were concerns about the fact that she's uh she, she's sort of um scantily clad and that's not necessarily something that disney wants to make the problem with that is that marvel uh routinely makes in legends uh f- 
female figures who were scandally clad. They just did a Tigra figure in Marvel Legends where Tigra is wearing the the absolute bare minimum in terms of uh, wardrobe. Um, this is if there is truth to this, and Steve Evans was making an assumption, which I think is probably pretty well informed. Um, then this is not a Disney thing. This is a Lucasfilm thing, and um, really, that not, sounds like a Disney thing. And it is no, it it can't be Disney because Disney does not um, because Marvel is doing too many characters in the same space, which are in this have would have the same. If that their concern was, we don't want to sell action figures of women that are not wearing anything or barely Ula in particular and return of the Jedi. I don't know if people remember, you know, if they're like, who is Ula? Ula was the green skinned dancer in Jabba's palace who ends up getting eaten by the rancor. Cause Jabba is this legit jerk. Um, but Ula is barely wearing anything. She's wearing a see-through black sort of, uh, stocking that over herself. And in one, one scene in particular that her, she's visibly naked, um, from the waist up, um, kind of a thing, you know, there's nothing, you know, this was a children's movie from 1983. She's, you know, um, you can see through the costume. Um, if Lucasfilm has a problem with selling toys of that, I, I suppose I, I get it. Um, but there's, but in, in the same way, there's been sort of like, where are the figures of, uh, Leia in her quote unquote slave, uh, costume from Jabba's palace. Hasbro has not revisited that in some time. Um, if the if Lucasfilm was like these sort of characters, the sort of representations of these characters are sort of off limits. That's 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 interesting. I don't think it's Disney, just given where Marvel is. So, um, but we don't know for sure. And Steve Evans was was not speaking with authority. He was sort of saying with what he heard. I'm guessing he probably is heard from someone pretty well in the know, right? But um, that's interesting. I mean, to to me, it makes sense that both Slave Leia and Ula are not uh, gonna be made toys. Um, f- for one reason, scantily clad. For two, their role in the movie is um, problematic, right? Like they're slaves and entertainers. Like that, I can see Disney bristling a bit. I, Disney, I don't think, and this is a guess. Like, we, we, yeah. uh, no, no one knows. I don't think Disney has an pr- inherent problem with it because they don't have an inherent problem with the movie. But from even mer- Disney or Lucasfilm or both, even like I can see. Yeah, from a merchandising standpoint, I think they Lucasfilm might, and the 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 vibe I get is that this is Lucasfilm in the same way that Marvel Studios is is driving the train here, and not Disney. Uh, Marvel Studios, just from what I get to gather from paying attention to the toys, etc., is they they are they have complete autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucasfilm, I believe, is the same. This is uh, you know Disney obviously owns both of these, but they're but they're separate companies that have their own um, operations, and they operate different. They operate very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think it's a Lucasfilm thing. We don't really know why if they, if they don't, if they don't want that to be what they're selling that, that, you know, that they don't, they don't want to sell those figures. The problem in these figures exist, uh, Leia and Ula in four inch form, uh, the, the vintage collection, the, the classic scale going back several years now, if 
if that is the case and Ula was not ever going to be in the cards with the Rancor, then that the Rancor for me personally and for I would I, the Star Wars collecting community Black Series in particular, the, the Rancor was never ever going to be in the cards. That was they had no interest in it. And so I think from the marketing of this, I I my sort of feeling is like Hasbro wasn't into this either. Not Hasbro, the Star Wars the Star Wars team. They didn't market it. There was no enthusiasm. If they didn't maybe want to deal with like the you know, I I don't know. You're launching a, a major campaign at the same time as two other campaigns. You're doing it in the holidays. You're doing it right before Christmas. People's money's tied up. Oh, by the way, you're doing thousands of dollars of product at retail right now across all your lines. Um, like, was that maybe the best time to launch it? And then you're doing a product of which that of you're doing a, an item which people don't really want. But if they did want it and they did want to get it, there was one thing and really one thing only that they, they really wanted as part of it. And you were evidently never going to do it, and you were never going to say, like, like I, I don't, you know, that's just just from, you know, that's just weird, like to me, like if if you and I were running the team, and we and our Lucasfilm partner told us, Sugu and Darby Ula, you can't make her. Would I just would have been like, dude, we're not doing the Rancor. Like, why would you? And because you're not going to go out there then, like on your live stream, and be like. You know, buy the Rancor and then like, hey, hey, Darby and Sugar, are you going to do Ula? And then we're like, no, why would you do it? And, you know, I just feel like, you know, I think it's a, I mentioned last time also when we talked about this that I, there, I feel like there's some uh, there, there, there's some uh, weirdness when it comes to the PR surrounding this oh, particular say shenanigans. Well, well, I just there, there's some kayfabe when it comes to like, you know, they're like with the shipping. They're like with the Razor Crest. With the, the everything in the shipping is delayed because of the problems with shipping in the world due to COVID, and it's completely mm-hmm. understandable. It's out of Hasbro's control. Hasbro is actually making a Herculean effort, apparently, to get things into the country into market uh, to overcome the problems with the backlog and the shipping. But the Star Wars team was like, the reason that you're not getting the Razor Crest on time is because you just you guys order too many of them. That's just junk. Like that's just that's just. Why can't you junk just say and man? also kind of demoralizing? A little bit. Like y- you guys, uh, you guys really showed up for this, and as y- as your reward, we're going to punish you. Can't just say that, man. This sucks, man. Right? COVID sucks. Like you know, they're stuck on a boat. It's not our fault. It's not your fault. That's cool. I mean, that's life. That's that is what it is. And then also with Ula, if the case is Ula, and people are asking about Ula, just say, hey guys, we're really sorry. Like she's not. We can't do her. And we're not going to get into it because we're a, we're a company and you're a dude on the internet, but we can't make her. So, and then they, then everybody would like, well, I don't want Ula. So then that just goes back to the drawing board. Like you and I have said a couple of times now, it's like, we're just not doing the Rancor. So why, why did we go through, why did you go through any of this Hasbro? No. But instead I have a better idea. All right. Let's okay. do the Rancor. Okay. okay. Now, no Ula. But we'll add decorative skulls as a tier, <laughs> as an unlock, as a stretch skull. We'll do 
loose assorted skulls with a with a cardboard backdrop that frankly should have actually just been where was the where was the thought in any of this like if they they could actually have done a backdrop like this guy the rancor is going to come in a massive box well just as you open out the box and then the interior of the box is the dungeon yeah i mean studio series transformers have been doing that where like i just feel like there's no level of this there's no part of this entire process where they had any real enthusiasm or spark for this at all we're going to take a quick break to let you know about some exciting developments on the podcast first of all thank you for listening we hope you're enjoying it uh, if you like our content and you want more of it you can subscribe to our channel and get additional conversations between sugu and i so stick around after the episode for a quick sample of what you could get if you want to give us any feedback feel free to let us know your thoughts and opinions at shelfwarmers at gmail.com or on twitter at shelfwarmers Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. And maybe that's what it ultimately boils down to, is maybe the Star Wars crew, I mean, they've they've been established, right? Like, they've had a long and very famous toy history that maybe they kind of took it for granted, that they thought they would just have, you know, they can make anything, and it would get funded. It, it would do whatever, so they don't have to put effort into it. That's a great point. I that's a very good point because I do think there is an element of this. Well, they'll just buy it because they bought the other stuff, and I think if that's the case, and there's reason, there there's there's justification for thinking that you know the start for Star Wars fans will show up for something that's Star Wars and and really cool. The problem is is that the previous two Star Wars Haslabs, they were both vintage, but they were both ships and they were both iconic. There there was the sail barge, which was we talked about, and then there's the Razor Crest from Mandalorian, although it's relatively new. It's from a very popular show and everybody wants it for their collection and it's the centerpiece of it could be the centerpiece in the way that the sail barge is. Uh, it could be the centerpiece of your collection, and it just makes sense as an environment. Like we talked about a moment ago with the idea of Jabba's Dungeon, it just it has so many interactive possibilities that the that a massive uh, Rancor doesn't in the six-inch scale. Well, for, um, com- for comparison, um, we mentioned Bobby Skullface earlier. About, jeez, uh, at this point, about two hours ago, I think, he released a video of his top 10 figures of 2021. He does oh, this okay. every year now, right? Yeah. So he goes through the, the the criteria. He goes through the sections. So the first are the little micro transformers. The next ones is a main line, right? And, and all that. So he goes through them. And um, one of his uh, characters that was in the running was the HasLab Unicron. And he said in there, HasLab Unicron won that category of best figure. Mm-hmm. And his explanation for it is actually an anecdote instead of talking about the, the figure. Mm-hmm. And so he put that Unicron in in his display room, right? He, he doesn't have a shelf. He doesn't have three shelves like I have. He doesn't have a desk like you have. He has an entire room. I think it's like the basement of his house. That's wall-to-wall shelves of Transformers. It's a lot. Yeah, it's very cool. Right? He's got 
uh, six seven hundred dollar combiners on the top shelf that are huge. <laughs> He's got thousand um, dollar statues of figures in there. He's got like really really expensive high premium quality figures and statues in there but every guest that came to his house commented on the unicron and they thought that was the most expensive figure in his collection which is probably not right no it's not even not even by a landmark like okay unicron was what less than 500 dollars, i think 400 something i i forget and he's got thousand dollar statues and figures like without even breaking a sweat so his point is that that unicron was a centerpiece it commanded a presence and i feel like that's what you want haslab to be if you're going to be as you say, an, an investor in these projects, well, the the end result needs to command that kind of presence. I don't know if the yeah. Rancor could ever do something like that. No, regardless of how cool the toy is and, and how, you know, they always do great work, Hasbro, with those toys. Um, Star Wars, Legends, Transformers, they've been doing really great. You quibble with this, that, or the other, but they've been doing fantastic work for for years now and the rancor was another example of a really good toy i know some people had problems with the engineering of it but they were looking at a model that was obviously not the final toy um that and that's perfectly fine um but no the rancor was never going to be the center no one was ever going to walk into your toy room and be like what's that big giant potato you know like (laughs) what you know right (laughs) And I think, as we talked about earlier, the X-Wing, if they walked in and the X-Wing was either sitting on your floor in the little hangar diorama or was hanging from the ceiling, yeah, they'd probably comment on it. Oh, yeah. The sheer sheer size of it. So it's it's just curious, you know, um, you mentioned the investor part. That's the one thing with the HasLab that I think not everybody sort of keys in on. This is a different experience. You're you're a consumer, but you're they're also asking you to invest. You're investing five hundred dollars up to and more if you're buying multiple of these. Like that, you can buy five of these at one time. The limit on most of the HasLabs is like you you know limit five per customer. I know people who do this. Um, you're investing in a product that you're not going to see a return on for in some cases over a year. So the Rancor was not scheduled. If the Rancor had funded, you weren't going to see it until the spring of 2023. So And so uh, you, you're investing in something, a project, and because they're asking for your money up front to even make it, you're an investor. That's a different relationship. And so, therefore, it's not just a snap judgment. You and I go to the toy store. You're like, I got to have it. It's, am I putting my $500 or more on the line for a year and a half for something? I'm not, I, I you know, it's... I, I want to actually yeah. explore this a bit more because you you say investor, but at the same time, this product isn't an investment, right? Like it's st- they're still consuming the product. It's not going to give a return. It's not going to. Uh, well, this right? is the other. This is so, the other side of the Haslab. So one re- so you you've noticed that so when the Haslabs started out, 
the backer the threshold bat for the backers was relatively low i i forget what the uh sale barge was but i believe it was five thousand six thousand uh the sentinel was similarly low seven or eight thousand and then after the titanic success of those they they all jumped to where you got something like with the sky striker it was ten thousand with uh the rancor it was nine thousand the rancor was um about three was three hundred fifty dollars the same price as the uh razor crest with a much higher backer threshold than the razor crest why is that well they they saw the success they saw the opportunity to make money and the reason they did is because of we talked about this a little bit last time is because of the fomo you have people who are into these things that are investing in them for for roi for return on investment in the secondary market and these things are very uh expensive <laughs> uh on the secondary sure. market the sale barge is was about five hundred dollars i think when it when it was offered is now something that will cost you in the neighborhood of fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars um the sentinel is something that cost, was i think three hundred dollars four hundred dollars that will cost you about a thousand dollars um so people buy multiples of these hasbro knows that you're going to do it so the threshold goes up they then if if it's not a slam dunk like sentinel or galactus or razor crest then if it's a if it's a big lumpy potato like the rancor you imperil the entire project so you are an investor in a way because for, you're an investor in that you're putting your money up front expecting a return and then a lot of the people are legit investors in the sense that they're looking to to turn they're looking to flip this thing and that's well, then a those aren't investors and they'd be speculators right because you're hoping that the market would go up on those i mean aren't granted it's a controlled speculators. market <laughs> huh aren't all investors speculators well yeah controlled gambling right mm-hmm but that's so having that element that the speculative element in it and this is true in comic books we've talked about comic books recently that that throws this sort of uh, variable into the process which makes the whole thing sort of skewed and so the rancor obviously was not appealing on a mass level to speculators and to even fans so it it, it wasn't successful the sky striker it was and the Sky Striker gained like something like seventy thousand backers in the final day. Yeah, um, and that's the same thing with Uni Unicron as well. Unicron mm -hmm. passed the mark, I think, due to shenanigans, but it did pass mm -hmm. the mark in the last couple in the last day. And I so I think a big part of it is people that are looking. And the Sky Striker will do very well in the secondary market. People are and they're going to bust that set out. They're going to sell the, those individual figures. The Sky Striker. Would have come with nine figures total if the <laughs> if uh, ketchup and mustard had made it. Now it comes with seven. They're gonna bust those figures out. Those individual figures are people are gonna buy, especially in the Joe market, which is insane when it comes to figures. They're gonna go for like a hundred to two hundred dollars a pop for these mm -hmm. figures. That right there, like if you're you know, if you're just someone, they're like, I want to make some money. That's a way to do it. But then that's a year and a half away. You know, you're putting your money down at Christmas. You know, like imagine you bought a couple of Rancor, so the Rancor was three fifty. You bought five of them. You know, you're you're over almost two thousand dollars into this thing. Let's say you make five six thousand dollars, but that's 
a year and a half, two years later. That's and then is that sort of the the thing that you want as a as a Hasbro? You don't care who buys it. Your company, you you're you're making product to be consumed. You don't care who buys it. But is that the sort of mentality that you want to be encouraging with these things? Like, don't you want to make things that people want and that otherwise can't get in any way? And so, and also, just I'll I'll reiterate the making the Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight figure the final tier. You're subsidizing a mainline retail mass retail item with the Haslab was just a bad look. Yeah, I, it was. It was. That's also not. There were there was nothing about the Rancor that worked. I I think is probably the fair way to say it. You know, yeah. Nothing and about the campaign. Last time we w- talked about what what you and I would have done to make it work. Yeah, and I I think like you said at the outside of the the that starts at the beginning, which is just in the in the pitch meeting. It's like nah, this is now nah, we're not going to do this. We're going to do something else. And I think with the for, as far as the future for Haslab, Haslab's going to continue because Haslab is is done very as a as a concept is done extraordinarily well. Star Wars, they're probably going to go back to the vintage collection. They're probably going to want to do something that they know is going to work. Um, you don't want to come come back with a, another Black Series concept that maybe potentially doesn't work. There's a lot of doom and uh, sort of gloom uh, reaction in some circles that were like, oh, this is the end of, of Star Wars, HasLab. No, there'll be one next year, and it, it'll be... Um, It'll be. I. I think it'll be vintage collection. They'll probably do something they, that yeah, they will have sort of broad appeal. Um, but it'd be curious to see. One thing they should avoid, I think, hopefully, a lesson they take from this at Hasbro is not to do these concurrently and not to do them at Christmas. I think that that hampered the Rancor and Sky Striker both. If these were done independently at different times of years, I. I, I feel like these both would have been backed substantially. Well, what I would like is, um, you know, keep doing the Hazlab. That's fine. But A, let them ship to Japan. And B, right. bring them on regular, eventually bring pieces of it into the regular market. Because I would totally buy a mass market Galactus. Yeah, the the international is a big part of this. Um that you know that they've they've made they've made progress in making it these items available in international markets clearly no international support for the rancor um but yeah like galactus you know i think i'd be you know i'd be curious um if if hasbro gets to a point with marvel where they feel like they could try one of these the sentinel or galactus at retail i'd i'd be curious to see um if that's even possible they probably think no it's not they did it this way but I don't know. I really don't know. I, I you know, like uh, Marvel is its own sort of beast, and uh, I feel like a, I feel like Galactus. When we get to a Fantastic Four movie, I feel like if they're like, "Hey, do you want to buy a three hundred dollar Galactus?" I'd probably do okay. Well, I've got a slightly amusing story about that Galactus figure. Is uh, after the Haslab closed for Galactus, I went to those stores I was talking about in the hunt. Um, mm-hmm. I went to one of them, and they had the I, I think it was the old Toy Biz Galactus. Maybe maybe not oh, the, sure. the very first one, but like the second one. Like it was bigger than what I expected, but not super big. 
Yeah, the, know, sort of the one? Marvel Legends one. Maybe. From yeah. the early 2000s, yeah. Yeah. So they have that, but they also had a note on there that was written, uh, the new one that just was released, that's not coming to Japan, but get this one instead. <laughs> Some good salesmanship. Um yeah, for sure. Um, my cousin Matt, uh, who's a uh, huge Legends collector, has all of the Toy Biz stuff also. And that Toy Biz Marvel Legends collector is very impressive. Um, uh, and the Sentinel is as well. This, that Sentinel remains one of the best figures they did, That the Toy Biz Legends Sentinel. Um, How does it cool. compare with the new one? It's uh, not even half as tall. But the sculpting and the detail is just so good on it, and the paint is fantastic. One of the downsides of the new Sentinel, as massive as it is, is virtually no paint. It's it's just yeah. cast plastic, and so it, 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 if they had done sort of a metal sort of wash on it like they had uh, back in the Toy Biz one, that it could have been super crazy. But it's a super impressive toy as is, but... Yeah, it's like it's it's interesting. It's I haven't bought any of these yet. The the I've had opportunities. I've thought about all of them at one point or another, and just for various reasons, price, uh, space, um, desire, I haven't bought one. I don't know what it would be at this point, but that would motivate me to do it. I think one thing that a couple people have talked about lately is Haslab is an, is really meant for things that you can't do otherwise. Maybe for Star Wars in particular, it's an opportunity just to do figures. In either scale that you're not going to do at retail the great thing about star wars is that it's this vast galaxy of like endless characters droids aliens just sort of throw a you know um throw a do a place that maybe jabba's dungeon the cantina something like that a death star type thing and just populate it with like a dozen or more figures that you're simply not doing at retail i think that'd be super exciting for collectors like you know like me personally I'm, I'm a huge fan of all of it the the whole all star wars you know from any era so pretty much whatever you do in that sort of vein i'd be interested in um it'd have to have some kind of anchor you know like it, you know it has to some sort of theme so depending on what that is um, you know, it could be really cool or maybe just a, a little bit cool, but either way, I'd be super interested in it. But uh, at the same time, it's, I, I hope that they just, they, people are like, oh, I, you know, I, like, I, it's the end of the, you know, the, all this negativity around it. I, this is, the, the biggest thing is, is that, I think the biggest lesson for this is like, people want to have enthusiasm for the the toys that they're collecting and you and i've talked about sort of ebb and flow on enthusiasm and there seems to be an ebb right now in enthusiasm from the star wars brand team itself when it comes at least to this particular item so like let's maybe do things we really want to do and we'll we'll be really into it maybe and that's just it though maybe they don't want to do it anymore i mean they've been doing star wars toys of every possible permutation and combination since 1977 well maybe maybe there just needs to be some different perspective you know i for one would love to see some people come back i would love to see steve evans come back i'd love to see daryl de priest come back 
Um, I don't think the Marvel Legends guys, Dan and Ryan, I don't think that they want to leave because they're in the best possible position you can be in at Hasbro right now. So why would you leave <laughs> yeah. and go to a why go to a different thing? But I would love that that enthusiasm that those guys have for Marvel and the characters that leads to them doing very inventive and creative things and taking flyers on things that sometimes don't work um, and bring that to Star Wars and bring a different mentality. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I do know that the folks who are doing the toys, the design and the engineering and the toys, the Star Wars toys are doing amazing work. I said before, but some of these recent figures, little Ahsoka... um, you know, in the vintage collection, maybe the best figure they've done in the scale. They're just doing they're doing amazing work. I want to see that continue. But I, I, some enthusiasm would be cool. I, you know, everything is such a bummer in the world these days. It's like when you get excited for something, you know, whether it's Spider-Man No Way Home or or whatever it is. You know, if people are having fun with whatever their sort of their sort of uh, comfort zone is, their comfort food in terms of whatever. Star Wars doesn't feel like that right now. Like, just maybe, maybe you were kind of alluding to this when you're talking about maybe there's a lack of enthusiasm. We've been talking about the Book of Boba Fett on this episode. Clearly, not the same level of excitement from Darby uh, for Book of Boba Fett as Spider Man or the other things that we talked about. Oh yeah, and I mean, even for me, man, I've I'm out of Star Wars. Like, yeah. I grew up with this thing. Yeah, and I. You know, when you and I met, I was with you on on the Star Wars property. Like, as a fan, yeah, I was with that's you. A, that's all we talked about. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I, I was there. And then just the prequels happened. And, you know, the first one, it was cool to see because, hey, finally a new Star Wars movie. The second one, uh, I don't know about this. I'm going to wait. I'm going to give it patience. I'm going to see what the third one does to complete the story. Then I'll make a judgment on the second one. I remember telling you it's the same reaction I had to um, the Matrix movies. The first one, really good. The second one, I'm going to withhold all judgment until after (laughs) I see the third one and see how this whole thing concludes. Then I'll make a judgment on that, right? Well, episode three came out and episode two and episode one looked worse for it. I was done. And then the new trilogy came out. I told you how (laughs) I told you how the force awakens got spoiled for me. Stupid space station (laughs) comment feed. But anyway, like, you know, so I went to see it in theaters just so I could stay in the zeitgeist. Right. But, I'm done. Like Star Wars itself just it doesn't have the same pull that it used to with me and we're talking over the span of 15 years or so whereas Marvel amazingly increased their pull over the past 15 years. And I didn't even care for Iron Man, like the first movie. Um the one that started off the whole MCU. I didn't really care for it. But now look at my collection. I've got all these Marvel characters that I grew up with or that I like. And like that interest has ballooned in the span of one year. We'll have to do an episode where we maybe we've talked about it a ton, but on the pod, but like dig into the phenomenon of the MCU and um, what is this 
cultural behemoth which is sort of taken over everything like and what is that really about and you know we we've we've talked about different aspects of it on the pod you know vis-a-vis the toys the comic books etc but what what is this thing that's going on the mcu right now occupies the same space that star wars did in the culture in the 80s mm-hmm. um star wars and to the to to, to be fair Star Wars is still a major cultural thing, but it's been dislocated by the MCU in terms of the cultural primacy where Star Wars was inescapable from culture in the 1980s and arguably into through the prequel era. But certainly if you were around in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. It was it was simply informed every aspect of pop oh, yeah. culture. Oh, yeah. And I mean, MCU I've read papers right in now. school about Star Wars. Yeah. And that's where the MCU is right now. And arguably the MCU is in some ways even, it's not greater than Star Wars. There was nothing that will ever sort of exceed the Star Wars phenomenon of the late 70s, early 80s. That's simply, there, there's nothing that had ever happened in the culture with the exception possibly of the Beatles to that point. Um, the Marvel was a, been a slow burn since 1961 in the culture. And, so, you know, it's been this thing that's always been a part of the culture and just increasingly expands its influence and its awareness and things like to where the point now where it's literally the entire pop culture conversation. What is that? What is that all about? How does that? I'm fascinated by that myself as, as someone like you said, I've grown up with it in the same way I grew up with Star Wars. And so what what how do those things work? Is it just, you know, Marvel is right now and won't be later? Something else will come, you know, obviously something else will come along. But um, I'm fascinated by all that. We'll have to do a deep dive. And it's like the... Because yeah, before the MCU was Harry Potter. Harry Potter there for a minute. And what, what makes it... For, maybe that could be what we talk about. And what makes what makes these franchises sustainable? Or what gives them the sort of gravity and the inherent sort of pull that they have? You, you think of something like Harry Potter, which... Um, is Harry Potter sustainable in the way that the MCU is or that Marvel is, you know, Marvel is something that's going, it will is 60 years old this year. The Marvel universe um, will be around 60 years from now. Well, Harry Potter, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't also Harry Potter, a younger aimed at a younger audience than me. So I'm not obviously the expert, but well, the only thing I'll really say about, Harry Potter as a staying power is that the my students now don't have this big connection to Harry Potter um they might have they've definitely heard of it sure they might have seen the movies they might have seen some of the movies they might have read some of the books but it's definitely uh already it's lost Maybe not lost, but it's already faded. It's just it's interesting. It's, we'll, we'll 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 dive into it. We'll talk about it because it's it's fascinating. Because there's a, there's um, there's a lot of threads here in terms of other cultural things like you know Dune. Uh, recently, Dune is something that I think comes in and out of the culture depending on what's happening with Dune relative to live action, Lord of the Rings, you know things like that, and. Um, so we'll do that. We'll, uh, it will, uh, maybe get back on the track here with the HasLab as we probably actually wrap up today saying, you know, we'll, we'll dive 
deeper into those things uh, on a future pod. One thing that might be cool too, you're talking about Skullface uh, Sugu, like sort of doing his his best of 2021. We should probably do something like that too. We should maybe have a little have some fun with our favorite, you know, action sure. figures or slash toys of the year. Yeah, I like for me this year, Marvel Legends is pretty easy because it's most of them. <laughs> with like so no, with a few exceptions but it's it's pretty easy for me too especially because I, I think i got my favorite figure just the other day i got a little kitty pride here yeah only i noticed been, that one is that only, uh new yeah just came out i just got her uh literally the other day i only been waiting 40 not quite 40 35 36 years for this particular figure that is the uh, kitty pride that i know from the marvel trading cards yep yep this is a uh, shadow cat this is her 80s early 90s costume uh superior to kitty's had a lot of costumes mm-hmm. uh this is the one that everybody likes um so yeah i th- i think uh she would rank in the top 10 for sure near the top yeah so. i mean for me it's still obsidian surfer like every time I look at this massive amount of uh, Marvel Legends figures, my eyes still go straight to Obsidian Surfer. Nice. <laughs> Won't be going straight to the Rancor because he's not getting made, and so he goes now to history uh, with the Cookie Monster. Has yeah, I was lab, just going to say, fun. if you're going to follow a business model. Follow the sale barge business model, not the Cookie Monster business model. That's Cookie Monster. You know, you, you pour one out for the Rancor. Uh, uh, we hardly knew you, um, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll get some. There'll be some cool stuff, and you know, coming forward from Haslab and Star Wars. But I think just for us as collectors and sort of like, I guess, critics in a way of this whole uh this hobby that we have I, I think that this has been a the most fascinating thing about the Hazlab for me is that this is sort of the biggest highest profile lesson in what not to do in modern collecting yeah like we are spoiled rotten by uh choices with you know different content different toys like if you want it basically like if you've ever wanted anything you probably have it or you're going to get it. And so the concept of a big, gigantic dog size uh, Rancor monster is not ridiculous, but it also speaks to what do you really want? And then mm-hmm. if you're a corporation like Hasbro, what do you really want to do? And, and what, what makes do you think sense? What you can make profit from? What can you make profit from? And really what makes sense? Like, you know, I, I was just talking about Kitty. They haven't made Rachel very upset about it. I know I'm getting Rachel though. Um, for Rancor fans who are looking forward to the Rancor who expected Ula from what Steve Evans said evidently we're not going to get Ula there would have been some massive burn on the backside of that if the Rancor had gone through people's credit cards have been charged flash forward to spring 2023 waiting for Ula you know to put her on your shelf uh, it doesn't happen that's the kind of thing where I just think we're in an age now where you need to, you know, as much thought and analysis. We're doing a podcast. We've referenced other podcasts, all, all talking about something that most people don't think matters. It mattered to Hasbro because it was the Rancor represented millions of dollars. And so with that kind of stuff on the line, it may be being some transparency and enthusiasm, I think, more than anything Um is kind of what you kind of hope to see from it, you know? Yeah. They're, they're toys. They're fun. Let's have fun. 
As Gordon Ramsay always said in Kitchen Nightmares, where is the passion? I mean, where is it, it does, with with the Rancor? Uh, I don't know. There were probably uh, but, a fair amount of Gordon Ram- Ramsay gifts on Twitter associated with the Rancor, probably. <laughs> uh, but there is one thing I want to kind of update our audience on before we kind of wrap it up. Not about the Rancor, it's about uh, myself. Uh, we had an episode several weeks ago, a month ago now, with Shaddy about Gundam. I have finally finished painting all of the pieces of my mm. Gundam. Awesome. Um, I put a white primer on all of them and then a metallic color of the plastic part. So the white parts got a pearlescent white on top of it. The dark gray parts got a gunmetal sheen to it. I put a fluorescent yellow on the eyes to try and give it, to try and simulate some sort of glow for the eyes. Um, I added metallic reds. So I finally finished painting everything, and tomorrow I should be assembling. So that's my update on that one. That's cool. You have to take some pictures. We'll put them up on the Twitter on the at the shelf warmers people can check it out yeah i'll send it to you that'll do it for today folks thanks again for joining us once again i'm darby harn and you can find more information about me and my books at my website darbyharn.com i'm also on twitter at darby harn sugu how can they find out more about us in the podcast you can follow us on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you can reach us at our email address shelfwarmers at gmail.com Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelfwarmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today, and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye.